A lot of great things coming to Rock Hill. It really was the people of Rock Hill. How many things does Rock Hill have going on? And you get to be a part of that. Now it's like, wow, I want to be there. I want to live there. I want to go there. It is extraordinary. The changes that have happened and what I really believe is just the next really great city in South Carolina. Hello and welcome into CityCast. My name is Ashley Cox alongside co-host here, Matthew Cray. We have a special guest with us uh, today. And if you don't mind, Teresa, could you just introduce yourself and give us your title and how you got to where you are? Okay, I'm Teresa Creech. I am the Executive Director of Early Learning Partnership of York County. And I've been with ELP for 21 years. Yes, yeah, so uh, as you said, Teresa Creech, um, where did you grow up? How did you end up in Rock Hill? How did I end up here? Yeah. Um, so I grew up actually in um, Albemarle, North Carolina, on the other side of Charlotte. Um, lived several different places and then a job opportunity and uh, brought us here and um, have been here now for 25 years. Oh, awesome. So a true Rock Hillian. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Some days I feel like that and some days I'm, I'm like, maybe not. I don't know. But it has been home and the community has been great um, and have seen so much growth and um, watching all the changes and it's been fun to be part of it. And then where, where did you go to school growing up or college? College, yeah, um, yeah undergrad. I went to um, Appalachian State. Okay. Ooh, okay. Mountaineers, love that football. <laughs> and um, then I um, have several certificates from Winthrop. Okay. And, and what did you major in? Uh, political science, public policy. Awesome. So not Tongue early twister. learning education. Actually, it all comes back it around. All, okay, well, we'll <laughs> and we'll get there. Yes, we will. So what we usually do when we have first time guests on is we're going to put you on the clock for a minute and ask you some uh, easy questions that we didn't send you just about your preferences and your your dreams. So uh, are, are you ready? I'm ready. What is the first thing you do when you get home from work? Change my clothes. If you could eliminate a task from your morning routine, but still get the benefit of it, what would you choose? Oh, packing lunch. Uh, what kind of music do you listen to in the car? Uh, I listen to NPR a lot. All right, best fast food burger. Oh, I don't eat beef. Okay, don't eat beef, good. Uh, a bird you would be scared to have as a pet. Ooh, an ostrich. Oh, yep, that's a good one. Uh, a wild animal you wish were tame enough to be your pet. Ooh. Oh, a lion. A lion. And then uh, an animal, if you could live as an animal for a day, which one would you choose? Oh, I think I'd be a duck. All right. <laughs> Any reason why? You know, they're so chill, like, <laughs> yeah. on the water, like, but underneath, you know, they're just like, they're getting it, right? Yeah. What did yeah. you want to be as a kid when you were growing up? Like, what job? Oh, gosh. I don't even remember that. Uh, I don't know. My favorite toy you played with as a kid? Oh, yeah. I had like an Etch-A-Sketch. Okay. Ooh, Love the Etch-A-Sketch. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer to be the driver or the rider on long car rides? Oh, the rider. All right. And you do a lot of reading. So I have two book questions. What's the most recent book you've read? Um, oh, I've read a lot. But The Midnight Library. Okay. And would you rather have to read a book backwards or upside down? <laughs> upside down upside down okay i feel like you were in my brain for some of those like those are yeah, good ones yeah, i was just thinking down. that you survived your your time on the hot seat very good oh but i have another book 
Oh, another book? And yes. Remarkably Bright Creatures. And what's that about? Oh, it's about an octopus and a lady that works in the aquarium with the octopus. And Ooh. they become friends? Is that what it, happens? It's, <laughs> it's narrated. Yeah, actually, they do. Okay. <laughs> You're excited, so we're going to yeah. dive into this. Can you just, for those of you, or for those of our listeners who don't know, can you just explain what is the Early Learning Partnership? Yes. So we are a nonprofit. We're a registered 501c3 nonprofit. And we are affiliated with Winthrop University and the College of Education. Um, but we are our own nonprofit that supports York County. And our focus is early childhood literacy. Um, and from that literacy, we talk about the social and emotional skills that are needed and really brain development. So what does it mean when you say you're affiliated with Winthrop? Yeah, so we're hosted by the College of Education, um, but we are not paid through Winthrop. We are not, like, we don't go through their HR department. We have our own um, payroll and bookkeeper and that type thing. But we um, are affiliated in terms of hosted by them. And then we do things to give back on the community side. Do you also have some on events and stuff on campus as well? Uh, we usually don't. Um, for us, uh, we always um, take an intern from the university. Okay. And we've been um, partners with the Close Scholars for many years. And then um, I'm on the McFeet Lab School on their board of directors. And so that kind of thing. Yeah, we just support each other in the early childhood space. How, how long have you been executive director? So 10 years as okay. the director. And uh, prior to that, um, I was the community liaison. Okay. What are the origins of this nonprofit? How did it start? Yeah. So we began in 1998 as um, an initiative through the United Way called Success by Six. And we were supposed to just convene early childhood folks in the community, but we kind of had um, too many programs to just be an initiative. So we decided um, at some point, that our, both of our boards said, wow, y'all are doing a lot of things and maybe we need to be our own nonprofit. So in 2005, we became, changed our name and became Early Learning Partnership and at that time took total ownership of the work we do. So can you give us a little bit of a background in terms of why you decided to serve here? Well, um, the public policy piece comes back around. I actually, um, I worked in DC for a while with a senator and then I um, actually was in banking um, and so the financial aspect um, and I became a volunteer um, and then I was like, this all ties together because the economics of early childhood makes a lot of sense to me. So we know that um, for every child, you know, that can read in his own grade level, right, early interventions that we do in early childhood, for every dollar spent, we're saving like $7. So mm -hmm. if you spent $8 on a remediation program, you could have really just spent one at the beginning and we would have come out really quite ahead. So when this was created by United Way, was there was there a study done? Did they identify a need that this is something that the community needed? Yeah, that was a national um, target. Um, that was a branding effort, that initiative, Success by Six. And so United Way had a license to that. 
Um, but in our own community, we were just doing so much work in the early childhood space. Mm -hmm. So ELP at one point in time, we had a free medical clinic for uninsured children um, across all four school districts. Mm -hmm. And then we had our literacy programs. And, you know, it was kind of like, for, this is going to date me, but if y'all remember those life cereal commercials, mm -hmm. oh yes, like, give it to Mikey, he'll eat it. <laughs> yeah. You know? So in early childhood, it was like give it to early learning partnership, they'll do it. So we've talked about this kind of like briefly on a national level. Where does South Carolina stand when it comes to to reading? Right. Well, so for us, our target audience is birth to age five. And so when you start talking about research and data, you have to be very careful because it's like apples to apples. You, mm -hmm. can, you don't want to compare apples to oranges. But just a s simple statistic in South Carolina or in York County, okay, we know that 38% of our children are ready to enter kindergarten. Their kindergarten readiness assessment, KRA scores. In York County, only 38% of our kids are ready mm -hmm. to enter kindergarten to be successful um, across the nation and across South Carolina it's about 30% um, so we're a little above but if you just take a minute and think about that number okay so 38% that's almost 40% if you had 10 children in a room four of them are ready to go to kindergarten to be successful. They have the early literacy skills. It doesn't mean they're reading already. Some may be, but they are ready to enter school to, and be ready to learn and then absorb information and be on grade level. So that may be vocabulary. That may be comprehension. Um, it, it, to me, that's frightening. Why are we not investing early when we can make a difference? And what are some of the things that might contribute to the, the issues with vocabulary and early learning? Well, a lot of children don't have access to print-rich materials, right? Books, simple, simple books, right? A lot of families don't have that. You've heard of food deserts, right? There are book deserts. There are neighborhoods and communities that don't have books. So that's one of the things we try to address in some of our programming. There are also, um, we do think parents are a child's best teacher. But parents need support. Um, I don't know. I didn't get an instruction manual when I had my children. Most people don't. And so just knowing that engaging with your child, you know, when a baby's born, their brain is like a sponge. And in the first two years, the majority of their brain um, growth happens. And so if you engage with that child, you read to the child. and. Keep in mind, a book is a tool, right? You could read a menu. You could go to the grocery store and pick up an apple and say, this is a red apple, this is a green apple, and talk colors. You are wanting to just expand their vocabulary, the words they hear, the, the facial expressions, and you also want to touch and bond and engage with that child. All of that is increasing the neural transmitters in the brain. And so that brain is growing and growing and growing. So you can either engage, and it's kind of like a tennis match. Have you ever seen that? Like serve and volley, right? Your head goes back and forth and back and forth. You follow the ball over the net. Well, that's how conversation should be, even with our babies, right? We talk to them, and they 
babble back and we talk back to them and they babble back, right? So all of that engagement is just growing the brain. We're building the brain when we engage. Matthew is about to become a father himself. Are you taking notes? <gasps> yeah, Matthew. yeah, mental notes. I haven't taken any notes. I was very invested <laughs> in what she was yes. just talking about. I was watching her serve and I'm volleying back. <laughs> yes, he was. Yes. So you, you mentioned that just access to books is hard to come by. Do right. you guys, you know, my mind automatically goes to the library. It's free to be there and you have access to, I don't even know how many books. Do you guys work very closely with the York County Library? We do. So we probably each year work with around 30 community partners. Um, that can be the four school districts. That could be um, the library. We have 10 pediatric sites where our largest program is located. That's called Reach Out and Read. We work with, um, I know you guys know Jonathan Nazir, right? Mm -hmm. Victory Gardens International. And we've, you know, given books to him to use in their food programs with children. Any nonprofit, any community organization, um, we try to share that information and provide um, age language appropriate books um, diverse books we want kids to see themselves in the books right so all of these opportunities to share books in the community um, as well as through our um, data-driven program like reach out and read we also have a program in the NICU um, and that's called we read we as in w-e-e for tiny because they're in the (laughs) NICU Um, and we're encouraging families to engage with their child in the NICU. It's pretty scary when you see your tiny baby um, there. So we're like, it's okay, touch, rub their arm, or talk to them, go ahead and read them the story. So we provide them a book and a baby blanket, and we're encouraging that skin-to-skin bonding, and yeah. So even though they might, a baby might not be able to, you know, uh, we're about to have a, a newborn, and if I'm gonna read it a book, Start now. You know, it's not necessarily going to be responding to all of the book reading, but you're saying there are things that are going on there. Exactly. Exactly. It's just making that brain start to work and they're making Mm -hmm. connections. And then as the child grows, you know, children will know, like if you read to them enough, they know that you read from left to right, Mm -hmm. right? They'll know that you hold the book upside instead of downside. (laughs) Um, They'll know that they put, as a baby, they'll put that book in their mouth and chew on it, and that's okay, too. They're exploring what's around them. All of these things are just how we learn, right? We learn through play and exploration, and that's what we're doing with a baby. So let's detail some of these programs that you just mentioned with the We Read. So do you have... uh, a volunteer or an employee who's designated to go to hospitals and just partner with the NICU? Yes, so we work with Piedmont um, here in Rock Hill um, and eventually the new Fort Mill site. Um, And there is a volunteer in the NICU or the nurses and they know to give out these packets. So if you have a child in the NICU, you're gonna get um, a book, a blanket, and a little card that explains why it's important it kind of shows the brain like a light bulb right mm-hmm. it's going to light up when you when you engage with it um and so we make sure that we keep them stocked in those materials and there's a wonderful volunteer that will call us and say oh my gosh we're getting short on this so can you bring us some more packets um and we've um found that to really be growing people love that little program 
And then I think you may have touched on this, but Born to Read. Born to Read um, actually is no longer in existence okay. because it became a portion of Reach Out and Read. Okay. And Reach Out and Read, um, when you take your baby to the pediatrician from their newborn visit all the way till they go to kindergarten, that's 13 well visits. And at those visits, um, they are given a book and the pediatrician is going to talk to you about guidance and, and advice on what to do with the development of your child and using that book as a tool. So once I talked about like how the book might be upside down, right? If a three-year-old is looking at the book upside down and doesn't, and doesn't have a good strong you know, gaze at it, then we know maybe something's not tracking, mm -hmm. right? So that's a good way, a tool, right? A diagnostic tool for the doctor. And then you mentioned to us that there's a new campaign called Read to Me. Read to Me, that's right. We have onesies, baby onesies, that say has a little thought bubble on it, as if the baby's talking to you, read to me. And so the onesie, along with a book, you can um, purchase or through a donation, <laughs> you can receive the book um, and the onesie make great gifts, um, but we're also just wanting to bring awareness that it's really important. Like that baby wants you to engage, right? That baby needs you to talk and cuddle and bond. Um, our little tagline is read, bond, grow, and that's what we want you to do. And using a book is one of the least expensive ways to do that um, and helps kind of guide the parent. So was the read to me, was that um, just kind of a collaborative effort? Was it just you or someone on your team that came up with yeah, that? Yeah, it was really our board of directors. Um, and so my colleague um, who couldn't be here today, Rachel Hubbard, she um, orders our books um, and we go through about five different vendors um, and we get, we order, oh my gosh, probably 40,000 books a year. <laughs> and we were talking and I was like, gosh, just like the baby just wants to tell these parents, read to me, light bulb. Ah, yeah. <laughs> There's the light bulb. And our, um, we have a, a work group on our board of directors. So we have 21 members uh, of folks around the community that serve on our board. And we have a little work group that said, oh, this would be great. Let's do this campaign. So it started last year, just talking through it getting some little prototypes, you know, drawn up and we are off and running so um, we hope that um, retailers or offices anyone that would be interested would might help us support this campaign what all falls under the umbrella of early literacy oh my goodness well early literacy is not just reading okay it's mm -hmm. also um, playing it's just engaging it's any activity that's going to um, grow that brain, right, and make the synapses in the brain. And they need to be very thoughtful in terms of you want to model to your child, right? You want to model reading around your house. It's nice to have print-rich materials. There's nothing wrong with, you know, our phones, screen time, but when a child is, you know, a toddler or under the age of three, it's really not recommended. Um, we don't want to hypnotize the child. What we want to do is grow those brain cells in the child. And that comes from the interaction with you. I bet you get this a lot. But when you hear early literacy, I think literature and reading. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you guys hear a lot? I, 
Maybe. No, not really. I think it kind of depends on if you're in the education space or not. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Now, you've been doing this um, with Early Learning Partnership for a while, and it's kind of crazy that we still talk about COVID-19, this pandemic, but we've talked about reading levels. And since this pandemic, kids have been put behind have you noticed like how did you guys deal with that yeah well obviously we were really involved in the rock hill area at that time because we were doing the mayor's initiative rock hill reads um and we were also uh supplying books on the bus so when the when the city buses rolled out that was uh that was us that had the little book vending areas genius by the way (laughs) (laughs) it was great right because who doesn't want to like sing wheels on the bus while riding on the bus right i mean could it get any better i don't think so uh so then um we had rock hill reads was an, an effort to have a lot of volunteer readers in the communities and we did like summer feeding programs and all, all types of things but then when COVID hit we couldn't go into the schools we couldn't have things on the playground right all of these events so um the medical offices we were shut out of that for a little while because they were a little overwhelmed but it actually only lasted about three months and then we were able to just really go back to work as usual but we also created a program to address that lack of access of books and we went into the laundromats with books because we knew people of high need um still had to like wash their clothes right and and a lot of people still had to go to the laundromats and when you go to the laundromats you tend to take your children with you right because you don't have a sitter so we put um, bookshelves um, and laundry baskets of books throughout various laundromats Um, and we thought that was a good way to address the fact that we couldn't have volunteers with with families and children, but we could at least get books out. Um, and then, you know, there are barbershop book initiatives in our community. So, Your target audience is obviously, as you said, birth to age five. How does, how does this program affect parents, caregivers, and the community? Right. Well, so we say it's for children, right? But I think we know it's really for the families. Yeah. 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 And so um, we know in South Carolina that approximately 96% of all children have insurance of some description or they're served by a free clinic. Um, So we know that by doing the Reach Out and Read program, we're getting the most bang for our buck because every child is going to the pediatrician. And 13 times, that's 13 times to get advice and guidance from a doctor that's 13 times that you take a book home and you create your own home library and you address the access issue because now you have books in your own home. And along with that, you get a lot of advice about you can go to the library for free or little free libraries. Um, at one time, we were one of the driving forces to increase the number of little free libraries. Um, so. We will work with anyone. Um, if you see a need for books, um, just let us know. Um, we like, you know, it's nice to have the advisory piece with that. Like if there's someone who can say, oh, it's fun to point out the vegetables on the pages or right. But we 
we just want to make sure kids have books in the community. I've seen these around, and I don't know if you guys are the ones that do them, but just like the little community libraries where you can just open up and take a book or give a book. Yep. Is that you guys? That's the Little Free Library. So on the Riverwalk Trail? Every, one of, well, oh, they're all, yeah. all over the county. Okay. Um, and we didn't do all of them, but yeah. we did help. We're not the stewards for all of them, mm-hmm. but we still continue to donate books. Okay. Yes. And I feel like the more we talk, I mean, you're giving us these new like things that you do in almost every sentence you say. I mean, you just mentioned books and barbershops like, yeah, there's just so many things that you guys come up with. Right. Well, and it's just, you know, the access thing, we take it for granted, right, that you have a book or you take it for granted. I grew up in a in a home where people read uh, and it was newspapers, magazines, books Um, And that's just not necessarily the case. But let's talk about what about families that do have those things? Are they using their time and are they too busy? Families are busy, right? There's a lot of choice as to things to do. But take 15 minutes a day, right? Take a time that when you're eating, right? Talk about have a book available and talk about the foods. You don't even have to have the book. Just engage, talk, diaper time is the best time make funny faces make the sounds you know engage it's all about the connectivity and the in just growing those brain cells and brain cells atrophy just like anything our muscles if we don't use them we lose them so i guess this question may not make sense we'll see uh a lot of these programs they all have read in them is there a program specifically targeted towards just the engagement piece or are they all just one thing? Reading is engaging. Okay. Yeah. When you read to a child, you are engaging. When you're pointing at pictures, when you're letting that child turn the page, when you are making those funny sounds and you're being animated, you know, play is a child's work. Mm -hmm. And we as adults, if we would just take a little time to play as well right and so that's your opportunity it's just your fun time with your child right um so i i guess to rephrase that you guys deal with times when as you said there isn't a book it's a lot about engaging when you're at the NICU you know you're talking to your child you're engaging with the child so do these programs i guess all of that is just into one whether it's a book or not Yes. And it might be that the content of the book, like we have books about caring. We have books about little dinos don't bite. You Mm -hmm. know, two year olds, they kind of go through this stage (laughs) where they want to bite. You know, all of the books are age appropriate, language, content appropriate, um, as well as showing diversity. So you uh, went through a strategic plan update in 2019. How did how did that go? Right. And so I think every organization should do that every three to five years. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to change a lot, but you need to really be reviewing. And a, a strategic planning committee is a standing committee that we have. We want to make sure that we are. Um. You know, we're not doing squirrel. (laughs) A lot of times you'll have opportunities and you'll go, but is that our mission? Is that our mission? So with our strategic plan, we're constantly asking, is that our mission? And are we framing this through a a lens of equity? Are we providing families in our community um, with equal amounts of services? We try to make sure Western York County, as well as the Catawba Reservation, as well as Fort Mill, Rock Hill, you know, all over. This is a large geographic county with a lot of very different needs. And so we're trying to make sure 
that when we're planning for our programming that we're asking those questions. A lot of the work takes place in the school district, and we briefly touched on it, but how does that partnership play out directly at the schools? Right. So we don't actually work in the schools because, once again, we're birthed to age five. Right. But what we do is we work with each of the four school districts in York County, and they have family literacy programs. Mm -hmm. We call them the parenting coordinators, and they're fabulous. In Rock Hill, that would be Cindy Taubenkimmel at ParentSmart and her staff. And that group of folks, we work with them to make sure they have resources they need. Um, and we get them all types of books and we partner on events. And that is who you call if you need some parenting advice, if you would love to have a place to take your child to meet with other you know, moms and, and families. Um, so look them up on the Rock Hill District website and for each of the other three districts as well in your county. Teresa, you have me ready to go home and read to my six-year-old. Like, I'm ready. So, <laughs> but is there anything that Matthew and I, Matthew and I uh, missed or that you'd like to add? One last thing. Um, yeah, we, so we are um, supported through donations. We're supported through grants. But if you will, just check us out, www.elp.com of yorkcounty.org. There's a donate button. If you can give us $2, $5, $10, or more, either way. But that every dollar that comes in really goes to help us get books into the community. And we're a small nonprofit, but we are mighty. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and uh, joining CityCast. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill City Cast. Episodes are available each week to stream on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple Podcasts. To keep up with City of Rock Hill information, follow us on social media.